Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Podcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hello and welcome to the Ad News Podcast, recorded at Nova Studios and sponsored by The Trade Desk. I'm Pippa Chambers, online editor of Ad News, and today I'm joined by National Sales Manager from MCN, Nick Young, and Group M's Head of Digital, John Miskelly, as well as Ad News Journalist, Arvin Hickman. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining the Ad News podcast. Um, So we like to start our podcast kind of quite informally and just ask a couple of casual questions like your favourite, or what book you're reading at the moment, or favourite TV station. Uh, TV station? No. (laughs) We won't get into that that. too soon. We'll save that for later. CBS. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Favourite. (laughs) favorite uh tv show so john what what are you watching at the moment what's uh what's appealing to you um what have i just watched recently i just started the new series of narcos on netflix um it's good but the subtitles are quite hard to follow sometimes oh no okay uh and nick what about yourself what what are you watching right now at the moment it's game of thrones it's the big one i'm catching up on it where have you not watched it i decided to give it a break for a bit and then just hit them all in one go Oh, is this on Foxtel now? It is on Foxtel now, <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, and Arvind, <laughs> what, uh, what, what are you watching right I've now? I've just finished um, Handmaid's Tale, and it's fantastic. And I'm currently watching this really terrible CBS show called Under the Dome, which is just car crash television, but I can't stop watching oh, it. What, Under the Dome? I've never even that? heard of it. Yeah, the premise is this massive, um, huge dome falls on this village, and they've got to try and get out of it. It's really quite odd and Sounds bizarre. Like the end of The Simpsons. It's, it's got a point two on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, it, so is it's highly su- it, is, it is surprisingly addictive. Wow, mm. I've never heard of it. Well, as you've all asked, uh, I'm watching, at the moment, I'm a bit late to the game, I'm watching Sons of Anarchy on Netflix, uh, which I'm a little bit obsessed with at the moment, which is about bikers. And Arvin, as you know, I'm always talking about this in the office. But <laughs> anyway, okay, great. So I think we're going to move on and just start talking about a, cu- um, a couple of current, I guess, news issues that are going on at the moment uh, and things that have kind of, that we're talking about in the industry. So, um Again, you know, if you're not happy to comment or you don't want to talk about it, that that's fine. But something that's been quite topical we've been talking about this week uh, and last week is some of the things that Arvin has been reporting on, talking about Facebook and, and different measurement metrics. Uh, and we know, obviously, that plays into the whole landscape that you guys work in. Measurement, whether it's TV audiences or, or, or you know, John feedback that you're giving to advertisers. Um, so, Arvin, do you want to just kind of kick off and answer any, any questions you might have on, on that? Yeah, look, I'm just really curious. Um, obviously, we did a report last week that found that the... Um, audiences that Facebook was estimating on its ad manager tool were about 100 to 130%, 140% larger than the actual population for certain demographics. I'm just curious, um, John, did that did that finding surprise you at all? Uh, no, um, not really. No, I'm joking. Um, listen, at the end of the day, the census, you've 
compared to the census data. And the census data, I think it's from back from 2011, I think it's that's... 2016. 16, okay, 2016. It, even if you call into question the census data, its methodology, it still doesn't mean it's still an independent and good representation of the, of the population. It's mm-hmm. independent. And I think from a Facebook point of view, despite how much more accurate they might claim it to be than census data, you just can't measure yourself. Mm. Why do you think they're, they're producing figures that are so much larger than the population? Surely at some point they must have realised that an advertiser or even even the media or a media buyer would look at this and say, hang on, there's, there's something not right here. I don't think there's anything um, sinister done from Facebook. They just, obviously what they do is they believe that their data is the most accurate data, so they probably wouldn't even thought to compare it against it because their view of life is, is that we've got the sort of most robust, data set on consumers and insights, so therefore it must be the source of truth. So I don't think they did anything... I don't think they were trying to trick anyone or dupe anyone, but the fact goes back to the matter we keep on saying is is that it has to be independent and the methodology behind how you measure these things needs to be open and not black box. Okay, what what about your thoughts, Nick, when you found out about this? Yeah, I I actually agree with John for the first time in years on this one. (laughs) Um, It just comes down to the fact that it needs to be third-party measured. They seem to continually get away with... Um, issues and challenges because of their own measurement that the TV industry and even our our digital um, side of our business as well just couldn't get away with because we have to be third party measured um, to really appreciate you know that our audience is what he says it is um, and and to deliver on that so I think it's more just the double standard that gets to me with it because um, they are using their own figures where we're not allowed to. Yeah, and it's interesting that the IAB this morning um, came out and basically said, don't rely on Facebook data, use Nielsen. I mean, that that's quite damning in a way, mm. isn't it? It's not damning as such. It's just the IAB going, listen, we've developed this we've developed this toolkit which is supposed to be the industry standard and therefore everyone's agreed in that as the industry standard and as a source of truth. You should use it. Mm. It's, a, it's a perfectly fair and legitimate claim for them to make. What, what do you guys do as media buyers? What sort of data sources do you rely on when it comes to looking at things like reach? Uh, listen, our view on this is, from a Kruben perspective, is we should try and use independent tools. So we will use Nielsen from a planning perspective. We will use tools like Moat um, from a optimization perspective and Nielsen DAR from an optimization perspective. And we obviously, for attribution, we'll use ad server data. So a lot of the data we use is sort of independent and we will obviously measure it against independent sources. Okay. Okay. Um, so moving on to some other recent big news is obviously, uh, you know, the, the CBS acquisition and, um, you know, that was obviously huge. You know, we were kind of obviously writing and talking a lot about this in ad news and looking at, you know, what was going to happen. And it kind of for us came out, you know, we, we were surprised to, to hear that. Um, Nick, I'd love to know kind of your views on that, you know, what you kind of thought when you first read that news and how, how did that go down in the office? Um, <laughs> Come on, so Nick. from my perspective... <laughs> Um, yeah, it was certainly a shock from my perspective, uh, um, and it's certainly I know as much as everyone else in here in the room um, in terms of what I read in the press. So certainly it was a shock from an MCN internally perspective. It's business as usual, quite frankly. Um, but I think regardless of who owned Ten, a strong Ten is a very positive thing for the industry. Uh, and you know, getting through this period to have an owner of Ten that is going to invest into content is good for everyone, um, the industry, and certainly for the people at Ten and at MCN. And obviously, I guess there's there's going to be, you know, undoubtedly a lot of speculation about what this can mean from what it means for maybe, you know, the sales teams, your side to what it could mean for the, you know, the the 
streaming the new streaming player they're coming with um how, how soon do you do you think it will be until you know we get some kind of hard answers and i guess you guys are sort of still feeling your way through and and trying to understand what yeah, it could I, mean yeah i'm not in a position to comment on that purely simply because i don't know yeah uh, uh i think fitz would probably be a better person to have a conversation with but from where i'm perspective it's you know the sooner the better um, so we can move forward. But uh, it, in the day-to-day world that we live in, it's not affecting us at all. John, what, what are your views on this from a media buyer perspective? Is CBS, do you think, a good suitor for 10? Yeah, it's a great idea. Or a great thing. No idea. It's not my idea. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great thing to happen to the industry. I think hopefully what we'll do is we've got an American company more than likely coming to Australia. I think it's a good chance just to freshen things up in the market at the minute. And I, I for one, am quite interested. I think they obviously talked about the... Their streaming services, which I think are a really interesting player alongside um, um, Netflix and Stan. So I think it will help freshen the industry up and it's a good thing. Mm. Investment in content is a good thing for our industry. And I guess one of the questions that will be playing on a lot of um, listeners' minds is how how might they change up their their content planning and and schedule? Do you you think they're going to go down the path and and introduce a lot more of their own shows into the market? Or do you think they're still going to back locally produced content in the way that 10 previously has? To me, uh, to either um, I think um, I only know what um, I've read in the press on this particular issue. It's still very early days, but um, you know, American strip shows are challenged to get large audiences in this country, and I think that that's recognised. We um, have a relationship with CBS through the Eleven, and they're certainly aware of you know the types of content that work and don't. And I think from um, my perspective, in a very limited view, if you want to engage audiences at scale, you have to invest in local content. You're more of an expert in this than me. Um, <laughs> I guess I would think that they'd probably try and take as much as they assets as they have from America and try and deploy those. But again, I'm not the expert in this space, so we'll see. It's all speculation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, kind of, um, you know, look, you know, talking about streaming players and obviously catch up TV. Uh, and I know we we speak about some of the measurement there and also some of the, you know, about the quality and the standard and, and the kind of direction that's going. Um, Nick, what, what's your kind of perspective on the market? Maybe looking, you know, a, across some of those channels from from the linear to the to the catch up to the streaming and just kind of the current state of play at the moment and and, and what do you kind of see as maybe the good things and also some of the challenges. Quite a few questions there. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, that's pretty much my entire job summed up. Um, I think, uh, in a positive terms, if you look at if you define TV, which we did a couple of years ago, as broadcast quality content of any length across any screens, then TV content is doing fantastically well and is growing in audience size. Um, it's when we then pick on just linear and judge all TV programs by their linear viewing that you see that that, that view is challenged. So the catch-up TV's devices have grown considerably over the last sort of two years and consumption of them, as well as their penetration, is grown considerably. But we're seeing really big growth now in if you take away catch-up and devices in sort of on-demand viewing, post sort of linear prime time, um, growing exponentially now because the, a lot of that viewing is growing on the main screen. Now that they can get it on main connected TVs, it's growing exponentially. So we're starting to see, you know, outside of, you know, a show doing Batchet does, you know, uh, 800,000 on that first night, we're seeing significant growth in audiences two, three, four days later. So I think the, the positive sign of that is actual um, professionally produced content is, is highly in demand and when you've got a good show that works, people want to view it. The challenge around that is is understanding a single view of the audience, the unduplicated reach, the very basics around reaching frequency from a sales perspective is still challenged. And you've got to nail that to show the real growth 
that TV is going through and understand what that means from a commercialization perspective. What about you, John? When you're looking at um, how you measure um, television across multiple platforms um, at multiple time periods, how do, you, how do media buyers go about doing that and reconciling the figures? It's sort of nearly impossible. Okay. Given that you've got... A lot of people will claim to be able to look at um, unduplicated reach across screens, but at the end of the day, when you haven't got a single-source panel, you're making a lot of assumptions. and mm. That assumptions are based, very much based on the mathematics behind it and who's setting that thing. So it's it's sort of really, really tricky. Um, and like just to come back to your question, like I'm interested to know... When you say that shows are not, you shouldn't look at shows in its totality. Like, how much are you seeing actually on a major show on catch-up TV? Because the reason I ask that is because I'm yet to see any research that suggests that you should put more than ten to fifteen percent of your broadcast budget on catch-up TV. I'm yet to see anything that suggests that you should put anything more on it. But are you seeing those audience audiences in incremental of that? Well, most audiences, uh, most major shows aren't declining more than. No. Sort of three, four, five percent. Yeah. Many, in fact, our, all of our temples this year, uh, bar one, has shown growth. So it is, we're actually seeing an incremental of audience in those major shows. Um, 10, 15, it fluctuates so much that it's clearly defined. When you're dealing with what I would call strip shows, so the the um, the dramas and realities, it could be up to 20, 30, 40 percent. Game of Thrones, in particular, is a classic example where if you just take it of not first run, they're doing you know, 50-60% of their viewing outside of that area. Okay. I started this by saying, you know, I've saved a much and I've, I've caught up on of Game of Thrones, but actually the reality is is most of the viewing is done within three or four days, and then it tails off Game of Thrones is probably the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, no, but it's, it, it is a, on one end of the spectrum, and then you've got, you know, the realities on the other, uh, which are more in that 5 to 10, 20% mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it mostly drama that does best on catch-up? Is, is that where you're seeing the largest gains? At the moment, yeah. Drama is doing probably the most um, viewing in that area. That said, though, it's not a case of, like myself, where people store them up. They're watching, watching it within three or four days of the original um, show being launched. I think another show that did pretty well with catch-up, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, earlier this year was Married at First Sight. Um, that had fairly decent figures in catch-up. I don't know what the numbers are, to be honest. Okay. What was it? What were the numbers? Well, I think they were a hundred thousand plus. Like a yeah, they, they they were doing really well with it, apparently. Yeah, but over what period? I mean, like you can't compare. I, think, I would say seven days. It's comparing that to a show that's shown within half an hour, or, or compared to their performance last year yeah. on catch-up. I think this year it was much stronger, but I guess yeah. the point is it, there is incremental growth there. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, we're seeing growth in audiences. Um, the, the challenge goes back to understanding, you know, by third party measure, or if if the third party measure is not going to step up, then we're going to have to do it ourselves as an, you know, as a company within MCN to be able to prove in a signed off way that agencies are happy for that this is the view of a show did a million people and your advertising reached a million people at a frequency of two, three, whatever it may be, um, as a result of that. And John's quite right. We want an industry solution, but if one's not available, we have to take that within our own hands. How much do you currently commercialise in a show from start, from linear viewing to some of the other iterations, whether they're encore and catch up over a period of time? How much can you actually commercialise? When the ad units are there, we commercialise it all, really. Um, the, the, what's holding that back is it's bought very much in silos. 
Mm. Um, so we aren't we, our ideal way to sell a show across any device, um, be it through integration sponsorship or just spots and dot sales, is by taking it and packaging it to market. And that's what the agencies want. What's what what you want? But the way it's bought is separate to that. Um, and again, it goes back to that we just can't provide that single view of an audience. How are you finding the connected TV infantry? growing significantly but the vast and v-paid side of that is a challenge the yeah. fact that it does not have the v-paid or, or viewability metrics within it does pull back um, but we're monetizing it very successfully cool so jo so john for example what would you say you want from mcn or the media you know what what's the ideal situation that, you, that they can help don't you? ask what you want from me because <laughs> <laughs> we talk about you know it's silos it's all these single things you know you've got that catch-up data you've got it you see it are you saying it's not being Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Package up correctly no, and it's, it's, on top, or is it? What, it's not been. It's not it? not been packaged up correctly. I think we're just limited by some of the technology. So, for example, um, the reason I ask that question is one of the reasons that connected television is um, underutilized is because you you can't run viewability metrics or viewability tagging like motor IS within it. Now that infantry is completely viewable, but if you use viewability metrics, it comes up as zero. Mm. So that's probably one of the reasons why some of the large. Um, Networks aren't able to monetize connected television and as effectively as desktop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, the question is, what do I want? Like, it's 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 really hard. Like, that's no, that's no one's fault. It's no one's fault that you can't run that in a connected television. So I, I think it's just incumbent upon the whole industry to, I guess, agree a bunch of standards and then try and measure and allow what can be measured to be measured would be all I ask. And I think most of the major media owners in Australia are pretty good at that. Yeah, I think, you know, we are, for the vast majority of us, aligned. But it goes back to that Facebook issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all have to be aligned as an, invent, as an, invent, an industry, I'll even say, um, to give confidence, not just to agencies, but to clients, to make it simpler and easier to understand um, what their campaign is doing and, and what they bought. Could you foresee the, f the future, once measurement becomes a little bit better across catch-up, where you would just have a single source of data across the whole lifespan of that particular TV show and you can commercialise that as an individual package? Is that something that you think would be possible in the future, John? No, I don't. Because that, that would require a lot of people having to... That would require every single television... Not just, like, television station, but large tech vendors like Google and Facebook putting all their data into a log-level data into a single database and letting someone else decide whether it worked or not. And um, Forgive me for being a pessimist, but I can't see that happening ever. As a TV industry, across our catch-ups, do you see that? Well, I mean, to try and treat everyone the same, I don't think Oztam or 
really supplying log level data to allow people to do that to be able to mix and match so i think everyone's guilty of being a little bit too um protective of, of log level data but i, I can't you can't see it happening okay. it's something that we want to achieve across our own platforms where we can control that um to be able to give an understanding across our own platforms of what that show did um over a two-week, three-week period and be able to monetize that effectively is absolutely a goal that we're working to. Have you had much, um, have you spoken much with the other networks? <coughs> and what are, their, what are their thoughts about this? Um, I haven't personally. Um, obviously, Think TV has come out um, and talked about unification across those areas. There's a lot to be done there, though, and credibility of management across those areas. I think as an individual, as an industry, from my perspective, it would be great to have that. One of the, the great things about TV is Oztem, um, and the fact that it is unified across all of the um, different networks so that people can understand what their campaign is delivering. So to have a version type of that that goes across, and I know obviously they're working on this um, and have launched the, um, the, the Oztan for catch-up on, on those devices, to have that going across all is a, a benefit to us and the industry. Okay. Um, just a quick one, just going back to the catch-up TV and obviously talking about, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the metrics and you're seeing, you know, there's all this great growth. How much, I guess, kind of demand actually is there from the client for catch-up TV compared to you guys saying, oh, we've got all these stats, you should do it here. Like, what, what, what is, I guess, kind of leading that? So I would say, for example, from like a catch-up perspective, I sometimes find some of the adverts either, you know, a a across some of those catch-up platforms, either like repetitive mm. or... It seems like there's not a lot of people that actually want to advertise because it is the same adverts again. No, I think that's more to do with the just badly implemented yeah. campaigns that haven't been frequency capped. Yeah, frequency capping is an issue. You know, uh, unfortunately, we have limited control over that. Demand for catch-up to platforms is high. If you've got um, uh, all the viewability metrics and everything that the agencies need to create a, uh, the campaign stats that they need, then you are, for the most part, sold out and then some um the challenge to it is providing those metrics um and outside of that managing frequency, which is more done now on the agency end than our own is is this no way. come on you can still manage it at your end a bit better like, uh, like, we, we definitely uh, look we are it, so hold on i'll take a step back uh, <laughs> the user experience is paramount of anything and that affects user experience so yes we do need to get better at managing on our end as well but it is a partnership with the agencies then i will say so who so if i'm watching the bachelor i just know this is like seared in my mind from last year because i saw the lint ad like on replay about four times <laughs> yeah. in the, like who who's who is responsible for that or is that like, so well, the agency should be frequency capping it, mm -hmm. and right, then okay. the publisher should be putting the frequency cap in place okay. and sure then measuring it yeah but then strategically and not, it worked because I'm talking about it because I saw that advert so many times. I can't, speak, I can't speak for that specific example last year, but you have to monitor it. There's a, a case of overselling as well. In, in terms, It's of a really point. good point, actually. There actually, like, back to my point about 10 to 15%, there is actually limited reach, what mm -hmm. we find. There is limited reach in catch-up television. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually quite small um, where there is a frequency issue. So you, you can easily over-invest of it and burn out frequency burnout frequency and waste a lot of money so the, the the key to that is making sure that you're sufficient with your budget but also putting i can't believe i'm saying this in yeah, yeah. 2017 putting frequency cast on campaign <laughs> <laughs> uh pretty straightforward um yeah 
What about in terms of some of the other digital channels outside of catch-up that still relate to TV shows? For example, you might have YouTube channels that relate to a show or you might have um, an advertiser's own website and, and how they interact with shows. How does that come into the mix? How do you mean, sorry? So... So, so for example, if you, for example, let's say The Voice or yep. whatever it might be, and then you might have, The Voice might have its own sort of YouTube channel, which, mm-hmm. ha- which has content, and then it also might have, some of the sponsors might have their own websites mm-hmm. or microsites that relate to that. How do you commercialise that in, in, in a package with, with the TV show when you're, when you're dealing with specific brands? Uh, as on, the, on the advertiser side or on the, on the media or on the publisher side? Well, both. On the publisher side, you sell it as part of the... Um, overall package, <clears throat> predominantly in a sponsorship type mm-hmm. um, way and integration based way. That, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so there's a couple of different things when we're talking about multi-platform across devices. There's trading, spots and dots. When you're doing it as integration, the content should be treated all in one, but you try to leverage the different platforms for their own unique benefits, be it mobile, um, desktop, catch-up TV, Facebook, whatever it may be, to, to just get the most out of it. So that's done best if you're... Uh, looking at each individual's device, their their unique qualities, and then leveraging those from an integration perspective. Okay, and you can obviously they sell packages with channels, or they do. I know they did a deal with Channel Seven, and then if you've got content that you've got the rights to, you just stick it on your website. So it's still quite a solid an approach in terms of how it's sold. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're actually coming towards the, the end of the Already? podcast. Uh, I know time flies when you're having so much fun talking about <laughs> metrics and TV. It slows um, down when I'm standing next yes. to you. <laughs> Is there any kind of other, you know, big things that are kind of interesting you in the industry? You know, we speak a lot about the metrics challenges and the different various challenges you're having in their roles. Is there any kind of other things in the industry that are kind of you're finding really interesting at the moment, you know, can even be outside of your current job? Is there any kind of anything that's just sort of appealing or interesting? Listen, the thing that keeps me awake at night is... Is, is attribution at the minute. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I still think that about 80% of advertisers um, use last touch attribution, mm. which means that the last touch, whether it's a click or impression, yeah. gets 100% credit for the conversion on a website. And it's it, it I find it um, quite a worrying... But why, why is that not cottoning up? I feel like we've had these conversations. Like uh, I remember the last touch, I think, like four years ago doing like oh you know so opinion piece on it or something but what why why are we not moving on it's just really easy to measure is it just laziness no i don't think it's laziness i, I think feel like there must be part of that or is it self-serving like, self-serving why, why would you not want to change of... things for the better to improve you know it isn't a case of it's not laziness but it's just a really really easy metric an easy thing to, to look at and come to some kind of roi proxy based on that and especially whenever you've got advertisers that whenever they sell the majority of their products not online it becomes really really difficult mm. so like if you're a if you're a packaged goods company how do you actually measure <coughs> measure online um it becomes quite difficult so um i don't think it's i don't think it's laziness and also you also got some of the issues around um attribution across desktop mobile and some of the again some of the measurement limitations you have on mobile so i, I don't think it's laziness i think it's some of them just constrained by some of the technical challenges but it, it it is difficult and it's a tough one is there any kind of tech players or, or anyone that you think of really helping kind of you know spearhead this and, and improve it and, and kind of take it further is there any companies you know even globally if if you can't think of any offhand listen um we're looking at it like there's not that many to be honest mm. with you um there are a couple of some very very advanced attribution companies that some of our clients work with but um i would say um 
sort of few and far between. Who are they? Who are the ones that? Are? Uh, oh, don't really it's want to get into the tech, the tech okay. vendors. Who's good and who's bad? I mean, Google has come out and so they're they're trying to come up with a solution, or they have come out come up with their own solution. It, it almost feels like if if the industry doesn't get together and come come up with an industry wide solution, then it's going to be left to the Googles of the world to sort of be more advanced than and almost take ownership of it of closing that loop. Is that, is that how you say it? Yeah, I mean, Google are really, really good, clever people at measuring stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 But the, as you said, the challenge goes back to the same problem that we have with Facebook. As accurate as you might think it might be, you still can't measure yourself. Mm. But there's no doubt Google are fantastic at um, coming up with these solutions on how to measure stuff and giving clients um, peace of mind around ROI. And I think you're right. I think the, industry needs, the digital industry needs to take a long, hard look at itself in terms of how we measure stuff and attribute stuff. And Nick, this is obviously something that resonates with television as well, because if you have attribution that's going to last click or, or being heavily weighted towards last click, surely that works against people like yourselves. Yeah, it creates a, certainly, I think, a short-term focus nature around marketing that doesn't lend itself to to um, brand advertising, which TV in, in particular is exceptional at. Um, so, look, it is a challenge. Um, we continue to um, push our own metrics, our own way, uh, you know, importance around what content does and surrounding yourself um, by content from an advertised perspective does for your brand um, but it is a challenge at this stage here's a question for you do you oh think and I, I do, <laughs> <laughs> okay. do you like sort of oh. shivers like um <laughs> what do you want and um, no, a genuine question is like you mentioned there about how good like television is at building brands do you think the media owners Australian media owners have done a good enough job in proving to advertisers the the, the importance of environment and context because you know say what we like about Google and Facebook of this world they're very very good at measuring ROI for clients so I'll say this um, from an MCM perspective we have been very focused both across TV and digital and are this year as well in our upfronts around data and technology and how that enhances the um, advertising experience and what we make a point of of the last two years is saying you know, it's great having this data and technology, but it's the content, it's the highly engaged audiences that really make it sing. And I think as a TV industry, we have um, not taken our eye off that, but have not promoted it as well and as heavily as we could do because our unique assets around our, our um, shows and our uh, content is really what underpins everything we do and creates the, the large-scale audiences. So I think we can do a better job than we have done. I was thinking more like the publish the online publishers. In what Proving the fact that environment is good. Uh, no, I think that there is there's a strong case there for more collaboration around research to actually nail that. I think we've done it on an individual level and maybe sometimes on a campaign by campaign level. But yeah, absolutely, as an industry to come together and uh, promote the the um, the benefits of surrounding yourself by professionally produced broadcast quality content. Guys, I just have to ask you, um, it's obviously approaching upfront season. Well, for you, Nick, it, it is upfront season. Yeah. Um, perhaps, Nick, you can give us a, a share a few snippets on what, um, Sneak peek. Yeah, what, what clients and media buyers can expect from MCNs upfronts. And then also, I'll ask you, John, what are you looking for this year in, in this year's upfronts? So I'll start with you, Nick. From MCN or just in general? Just, just well, from you. From, <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, cool, perfect. <laughs> um, I'll keep this brief because I'll say the announcements for the upfronts rather than on this. But I think from our perspective, our focus is about enhancing our existing offering. It's about um, showing solutions to those challenges around measurement. 
It's about investing heavily in both our, our data and tech to make that more meaningful, and not just meaningful in the grand scheme, but more meaningful in day-to-day campaigns. Um, and also a big, big focus on content, what the slate is this year across both Foxtel um, and 10, and across all of our digital platforms as well. So it's a three-pronged to- approach around tech, data, and content. Okay, John? Uh, I guess what I'm looking for from the from the media owners and publishers is probably the the access to log level data that allows us to actually look at that so it's not it's less black box and we can slice it and dice it and try and solve this attribution model model. I think that um sometimes people are overprotective of data. Um and I'd like to see a little bit more um take a little bit more risk with that and allow a bit more log level for, for us to be able to plan and buy across um all touch points, not just siloed to that media owner. I will say that because that, that gets levelled at a lot of media owners, including ourselves at stage. It's, it's not even a question of overprotectiveness. If you have, no, I get it. I get I know, it. If you have really strong data that's really credible, it comes with legal requirements. Sure. And and also within that as well, it, it's not a, a simple case of just handing over. There has to be a commercial benefit to do so. I completely agree with that. Uh, a, a, com- a commercial objection is okay, okay, but I guess less religious objections. I think that's fair enough. Excellent. Okay, well, I think on that note, we're going to wrap up the Ad News podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ad News podcast recorded at Nova and sponsored by The Trade Desk. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, listener. Is it me you're looking for? As brands, we're always wanting to make a connection to find the person you can rely on, the one that's there every week, month, or year, and always has your back when you need them the most. It's a little like matchmaking, don't you think? With Acast podcast ads, you can filter for your exact dream audience so you can find the ideal customer for your business. The Romeo to your Juliet, the Rachel to your Ross, the Bert to your Ernie, and avoid those red flags and time wasters. Your ads can communicate with them in the most intimate way possible a one-on-one conversation, a chance meeting in the gym, or a coffee shop. So go on, give it a try. With over hundreds of thousands of listens a month, your person is probably here. Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com to get started.